1: Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. What fun Welcome to ride back and sing in. in a one-horse open Sports sleigh, Saturday. dashing through the snow in a one-horse. I open thought we were still in a commercial break. All so did I. I. <laughs> I thought it was a PSA. <laughs> I thought it was a PSA. Oh, Dave
2: Mecom, our longtime board op. he's been here a long time. Does a great job. Always gets us this time of year with uh, this Christmas music. He
3: loves, he loves a good Christmas song.
2: So do I. As long as it's been remixed by Justin Bieber. So if you want to hit that up on the next break, I'd appreciate that, Dave.
3: Dave strikes me as the guy that loves like the Claymation movies. Like I like the Claymation, the old school Bankin and Rass, or I think is what their name, the, the production company. Hey, here's a anyway. quick
2: question for you. What is your favorite Christmas movie that's come out in the past 10 years? Because I think a lot of people like, hmm. oh, the Jim Carrey's The Grinch or um, A Christmas Story. Or yeah, Those
3: are the ones I like. What do G- you think is
2: Spirited? Did you see Spirited on Apple TV? Never saw it. It's actually pretty good. With Will Ferrell and yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Actually, I've been
3: meaning to watch it's that. It's actually pretty dang good. Okay. I need to watch that. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I, I just think. Put that on the list. This month chasing down all this BYU football content it's been a busy month i'm not going to lie i'm get i'm i keep sometimes forgetting i'm like oh there is a football game next week <laughs> <laughs> because Seriously. this portal and the recruiting season and the coaching carousel i'm like folks this this got it's i'm getting a little bit tired but hey no i, I love it though it's it's fantastic so i'm, I'm after the poll game yes. i'm going to sit down and watch it some on your flight and, on your yeah, way back to utah that's a great job. idea
2: Watch it then. That's a great idea. BYU, earlier in the week, announced their new defensive coordinator. And along with Jay Hill being announced shortly after, Kelly Popinga. K-pop! He was recently at Boise State. He returns to BYU special teams coordinator, and he'll uh, get a position later on. They still got two spots on the staff. Here was Kelly Popinga on his return to Provo.
4: Okay, so just, uh, first of all, very uh, grateful for this opportunity to be back at... uh my alma mater and just grateful to coach Kalani for uh giving me this opportunity and man just excited to be back and be able to help in in any way I can to be able to uh shoot go into the big 12 and help us start uh competing and winning conference championships and that's what you know this place has been known for for a really long time and just excited to get back to that and uh yeah just excited about this role that he's given me and uh, just, you know, I walked into the office this morning for the first time and just felt like felt like home, felt like I was uh, back where I should be. And so, yeah, just very grateful and uh, excited about getting, uh, getting things rolling here.
3: BYU is a special place, Matt. How many programs, honestly, do you think where position coaches, they'll leave and then they want to come back? You know, it, it, K-pop is BYU through and through. And I think, you know, when when Bronco Mendenhall and his staff left back in 2015, I always thought in the back of my mind, it was cool that a bunch of BYU guys were getting valuable experience away from BYU, and you kind of, in the back of your mind, you thought, "It, it would be nice if some of these guys eventually make their way back, and Kelly Papinga does, and Listening to him this week, you can tell that that experience that he's gained at Virginia in this past season at Boise State, it's given him a chance to maybe branch out, expand his recruiting horizons, yep. and he just a more polished coach. And to me, it's not even a debate where he should be coaching. It should be linebackers and or edge rushers. Yeah. That's where he needs to be because this guy got it done with Fred Warner. I remember that recruiting process in 2014. It was... BYU and USC down the stretch. And Kelly Papinga was massive in getting Fred Warner to BYU. Massive. And then he developed him, and Fred Warner became an all-timer at BYU, and now he's an all-pro in the NFL. This guy knows talent. He knows how to identify talent. And I love that he understands that BYU's got to go into big-time battles. It's no longer, let's go off for the guy that's got no offers, and we know we'll get him. No. No. Go, time, go get some big-time battles. That's what BYU needs in this program. And you know what I love about both of these
2: hires? Because uh, it applies to Jay Hill as well. But uh, for K-pop, there's not that pre-existing uh, defensive identity that aligns with Kalani. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying he comes from a different New background. too, though. New opinions. Yeah. He had it with Bronco. And I am personally someone who... I think Bronco was the best defensive line BYU ever had in the history of BYU football. So if you have some time with Bronco, I'm good with that. But he also has it away from Bronco. Yeah. So he has a well-rounded uh, you know, experience to dwell on to maybe add, as you mentioned, some different opinions from maybe what Kalani experienced under Kyle Whittingham at Utah. So I just think it is a a good thing. And you hear this all the time in the business world, like, Great CEOs are always hiring people from different backgrounds to bring different perspective. And that didn't exist on the defensive staff. That defensive staff had never changed under Kalani Satake. And it was all guys he brought. And they were all like-minded. And, you know, did it work at times? Yeah. But it didn't work well enough. And now let's bring in all these different personalities and experiences and let's create – a new defense and that's what we're gonna see, guys. It's not gonna be drop eight. Now, drop eight's gonna be a part of it because sure. it's, it's a part of college football, but this defense is gonna be multiple, it's gonna be aggressive. They're not gonna get gashed in the run game and not
3: do something about it. Yep. Like that's what I'm I'm really looking forward to. This staff, because of their experiences, and they will be able to scheme and I think better yet, they'll be able to make in game adjustments yeah, that's on point. the fly. That's been a sorely lacking situation for BYU that you know, maybe the first quarter you're ha- you're hanging strong and your schemes out outworking you outworking the opponent, but you get that second half, that team on the offense makes the adjustments and BYU doesn't know how to respond. Or in the first half, your game plan doesn't work yeah. and you wait till
2: halftime to swing, yeah. to fix it. That that's gone too. because yeah. sometimes you can't wait two quarters. You
3: can't. And and I think that Kelly Papinga is a is a very good hire for BYU. And and I think that this this staff is is coming together nicely. And to your point, Matt about bringing in different opinions and backgrounds. Think about how the offense was formed when Jeff Grimes got brought in in 2018. Jeff Grimes came from LSU. Aaron Roderick came from Utah. Fessy Satake came from Weber. You know, it it was like a collection of guys, A.J. Stewart at that time. Bunch of different opinions from different backgrounds, different coaching trees, and they all came together, and now the offense is in a good spot. I still think that people listening would probably think, you know, the offense— could get better, but I, I I'm not gonna knock that group. I think Aaron Roderick still, the quarterback spot's been good, and we'll talk more about that coming up a little bit later in the show. But uh different opinions are good. One guy that will stay on the defensive staff though, we teased it, General Guilford. He's going to Love be retained it. on Jay Hill's defensive staff. Very important get because Gennaro has great connections in Southern California. He's done a nice job in the transfer portal with getting an assembly of talent. The past defense this year, not good. Didn't live up to the uh, the title he gave of the best secondary since 1996. But I think personnel collection, he get, he gets guys in the program. And he's got a lot of young DBs that he has connections to that he recruited. You don't want to lose those guys. So it was an important get to keep Gennaro. And they also want to try to close and get some heralded recruits too that are in that defensive secondary. So, Gennaro was a a big get in the most important one.
2: And he was also a big get, too, because his background is just so different from Jay Hill and Kelly Pingas. So, he's not of the faith, but he played at BYU, had challenges at BYU, and and stuck with it. That is a good recruiting asset to have on the staff. Kevin
3: Clune, Preston Hadley, their jobs are being evaluated, but earlier in the week, Kalani did say at his bowl prep, they're going to be leaning heavily on the analyst. So Kind of, kind of... Give you a little. Here's bit the of read If they the said
2: lines. this is just me reading between the lines, I'm not saying they're gone. But you announce Guilford's back, and you say that right. these two aren't. It's hard not to connect the dots here and say they're not coming back. But
3: news, traffic, and weather coming up next. We'll take a timeout, and then Jay Hill. You'll hear from BYU's new defensive coordinator coming up next here on Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by KSLSports.com. BYU. This is Cougar
1: Sports Saturday. Sports Saturday, a presentation of KSL Sports. Got it for three. Cougars Every Saturday, all year long. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans. More Cougar fans. It's <laughs> Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maiamonte, on your legacy home of BYU Sports. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and
3: 1160 a.m. Welcome back in. KSL News Time, 12:35 p.m. on this Saturday afternoon, December 10th. We're joined now by BYU Assistant Head Coach Jay Hill. We spoke with Coach Hill earlier in the week, moments after he was introduced as the new associate head coach and defensive coordinator. And Jay, you grew up a few minutes up the road from BYU. What's it like to be a coach on the staff now and back at at Utah County?
0: It was, you know, when I was little, I remember it was just a quick drive over to football games and basketball games. And my dad's brothers were all professors here at BYU and obviously took a huge liking to the games. I still remember deer hunting when I was a little kid and my uncles would have these little radios that they'd be trying to dial in this, station so that we could hear it up on the mountain but you know BYU football games were a huge part of growing up and um, I I guess in a way it's kind of like coming home.
3: (laughs) What was the pitch coach that Kalani ultimately made that put things over the top for you to take this job?
0: Well I mean I don't think he had to talk real hard just because of my respect for him and his program uh, I had, at the time, three coaches that had coached with me at Weber State here on this staff. Uh, I had other guys like Aaron Roderick and Al Papunu that I had coached with as well. Um, so there were so many people that I already knew down here. And then, you know, my just my, uh, my comfort level with Kalani and the way he runs his program, the way he cares about his players, uh, that was a big part of this. Um, but the, the sales pitch didn't have to be very big. I knew about BYU going to the big 12. I know about the success that they've had, um, you know, throughout their storied history, not just the last couple of years, but, uh, it's something that I knew could go in the right direction, will go in the right direction. And, and it's a great time to be part of it.
2: Coach, how much did the big 12 play a role in, in making that move? Just knowing that, you know, BYU for the first time in their existence going to be playing on the biggest stage of college football.
0: No, that was huge. I I think that this is something that Tom Homo and the other administrators have done a phenomenal job with, placing BYU exactly where they should be, Uh, putting them in a big-time Power Five conference that's very, very respected, and uh, it was a big part of it. And it's going to be a big part of it to recruits. It's going to be a big part of it to just the success that we have moving forward. And like I said, I I was just super excited to be part of where this place is going.
3: Coach, uh, I, from what I've read and followed you from afar, uh, seeing your time at, at Utah and Weber State, I, I dare I say one of your mentors has got to be Kyle Whittingham. And if it's and if your defense is similar to a Kyle Whittingham type of defense, how difficult is this to teach that system and and scheme? How difficult is it to teach?
0: Well, I mean, everybody knows my uh, respect for Coach Wit, and um, it just how big of a mentor he was to me. And I can't, I can't thank him enough just publicly or personally just for everything he's meant to me and and the knowledge that I've gained from that guy. Uh, The defense I think is special. It's, it's not far from the one I played in. It's not far from the one I watched him coordinate many years. Um, You know, there's tweaks and changes. There's things that evolve. There's things you get better at, Um, but it's very similar. My philosophies on, how I study film and and what I try to do as far as game planning and scheming opponents I think i would I would hope it's similar um but but then again, you got to put your own personal flair and and flavor on it and 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 do with it what you want to do that matches uh your personnel it matches you know what, what you're feeling that particular week and um, that's where I hope I can you know take things to a level that's going to be super successful is just putting my own flair um, back into what I want to call and how we want to do it.
2: A few more moments here with the new defensive coordinator and associate head coach Jay Hill on Cougar Sports Saturday. Coach, uh, we know that uh, you mentioned that earlier that Gennaro Guilford will be retained. How quickly do you want to finalize the rest of your defensive staff?
0: Mm, I think that all depends. Uh, I don't want to get pigeonholed into saying it's going to be in the next day or two or the next little bit uh, Kalani and I need to sit down and now with uh, with uh, Kelly Papinga and, and also Gennaro, we need to sit down and decide what are the two best fits to come back in on this defensive side of the ball and help us win championships and help us to recruit the right players here. I'm not dead set on the, that. That decision has to be in the next couple of days. We need to get the best people in and have this thing set, ready to roll Successful in the future, but I'm I'm not tied to any particular time frame. When you were a
3: player coach at Utah, I know you're on the defensive side, but BYU defenses of old under Lavelle used to have huge defensive linemen. I know uh, one of our colleagues you mentioned uh, Byron Frisch, Hans Olson, guys like that. Uh, you know, is, is that kind of the the traits that you want to see in BYU defensive linemen, and maybe? physical traits that you want to see in a lot of these positions along the defensive side?
0: Well, so I believe this, you got to look the part, right? And we need to be playing with and and recruiting NFL caliber guys that can grow into be NFL type guys. And that's the expectation for me. I mean, we had that at Weber state. We got D lineman playing in the NFL, Taron Johnson's one of the top corners in the NFL right now. And if we had that expectation at Weber state, I for sure expect to, you know, enhance that and take it to another level here. And so, yes, we want big, massive front guys that are going to play the the game the right way. We want to be physical up front. We want to stop the run. We want to be able to play and have an athletic secondary where, you know, we don't have to always protect them. We want to be able to put those guys in man-to-man. We want to be able to disguise and and create confusion for quarterbacks. I I don't want to have to protect uh, position groups. I want to be able to have big-time guys uh, that I know we can win with. We need Fred Warners, and we need um, Van Oys coming off the edge. We need big-time guys in here that they've had in the past, and and I know we can recruit those guys here.
3: I know you've only been at BYU. This is the first day officially, but do you think it's possible to recruit those big-time guys in an era of NIL, in an era of the transfer portal? Can that happen at BYU? What did Kalani tell you that – really is maybe the blueprint of recruiting at BYU.
0: Well, I, I would not be here if I didn't believe that. Um, we, we all know the power of BYU sports in the state of Utah and the amount of boosters and people that can stand behind the program. And do we have to expand NIL? Absolutely. Do we have to get in the game with trying to take care of our players the best way possible? Absolutely. That's a critical part of moving forward and being successful. Uh, I know administration's on board with those things that we need to do. I know that the fans will be on board with what we need to do to continue to have great players here. And then we've got to do a phenomenal job of bringing the right ones here and developing them. Um, but if I didn't feel that we could do that, um, then I wouldn't have been as excited about this this job and this opportunity. Last thing
2: for Coach uh, Jay Hill, new defensive coordinator and associate head coach here in Cougar Sports Saturday. Uh, A week from now, BOU will wrap up their 2022 season with the bowl game against
0: SMU. How do you envision your next week, two, three weeks as you kind of get familiar with this new role? Well, I'm going to actually run out of practice right now and start assessing talent, start assessing the players. Um, Kalani and I have already spoken. Uh, at length about what that looks like for the next week. You know, I'm trying to be around the players as much as possible. I want to get to know them. I want to get to know them. I want to get to know their families. I want to get to know them as people, what makes them tick. Uh, because if I'm going to try to get the best out of them here in the next, uh, you know, a couple of years, I've I've got to, I've got to know how to push them. So that's going to be a critical part. Um, I'm also going to get very involved in recruiting. There's a couple top notch guys in the next uh, couple days that I got to get out to see. We've got to land, top-notch guys and we got to be able to learn here and that's going to be a critical part of what I'm doing. Um, I don't think I'll be that heavily involved in the scheme or anything that they're implementing or calling on game day. That's not my role right now. I'm not familiar enough with anything that they've done to this point. That would not be fair to the players to do that. So uh, I don't envision that being my role, but I will very uh, much spend my time getting to know these players and who they are.
3: He's the new man on the BYU coaching staff. He is Jay Hill, coach. We appreciate the time. Congrats again to you and your family. And uh, you've had a lot of success at Weber State and uh, uh, appreciate uh, your time with us today. And uh, nothing but the best. Look forward to covering your time here at BYU.
0: Heck yeah. I can't wait. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
3: I can't wait either. Jay Hill got me fired up. I I think that's going to be a good hire, Matt. I think this guy is going to be really good for BYU. And I think that I, I love that he wants BYU to be in the upper echelon of the Big 12 and and competing at a high level in so many facets. And there's going to be a lot of work for BYU to accomplish that. And, uh, you know, one of those big pieces going forward, Matt, and as we're nearing a timeout here, the transfer portal. It's a big talking point right now in college athletics. The transfer portal window is open. BYU has had some guys enter that portal. We'll hit on that coming up next. What's going on with BYU's football Portal movement. We'll get you up to speed on all of that, and we'll also talk about the quarterback situation too. So we'll take a, take a break, and on the other side, we'll get to the transfer portal talk with BYU football. It's Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by KSL Sports.
1: This is Cougar Sports Saturday. Cougar Sports Saturday, a presentation of KSL Sports. Got it for three. by twenty. Every Saturday, all year long. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans. or Cougar fans. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maiamonte, on your legacy home of BYU Sports, KSL News Radio, one hundred two point seven FM at eleven sixty AM. What
2: is up, Cougar Nation? Welcome into hour number two of Cougar Sports Saturday. We had Jay Hill on in our number one. If you missed that interview with BYU's new defensive coordinator, you can find it on our podcast feed, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, good interview with the new defensive coordinator. I think his approach will be something that BYU fans resonate with his uh, his style, his aggressive nature. I think that's what we have wanted yeah. for a couple years. He's going to bring it.
3: So and. and, and- there was things with Elisa Tuiaki. You know, he stepped down, and I'm not trying to you know bag on Tuiaki or anything like that, but he's moved on and and things like that. But there were things in Tuiaki's tenure that he was almost his own worst enemy. Yeah, where acknowledge that not many changes happened coming into the season. Last year was not good. 2021 was not good, and then it just it, it bottomed out this year. And then the lack of importance with sacks. I, mean, I mean, I just feel like. There is an importance to getting sacks there. It, it matters. And look what that Stanford game BYU got three sacks in that game. And BYU's defense was playing with energy, even though they were giving up passing yards. It's like that is such an important piece to defenses. And look, I think Jay Hill is he probably had a he probably did his homework and understood what Cougar Nation wants. We'll see if it actually plays out. Uh, he's got to get the personnel to go do that. But he's saying the right thing so far, and uh, that's all you can ask for yeah. at this point. This guy's had a track record of success. He's had some great defenses at Weber State. I'm really curious to see how it plays out in the Big 12 level. I'm also curious, Matt, to see how the offense in the Big 12 uh, goes moving forward. BYU has a fascinating situation at quarterback, which we might learn – Uh, next week at the New Mexico Bowl. Oh, yeah, there is a game next week, Matt. BYU is going to be playing SMU (laughs) in the New Mexico Bowl next week. You'll hear from the New Mexico Bowl executive director coming up in hour number three, Jeff Simbiata. BYU is going to take on the Mustangs, 530 kick. We'll have our regular show at noon. But there's a lot of questions about Jaron Hall. And reasons for that is because Jaron suffered an ankle injury in that Stanford game. And since that Stanford game, Kalani Satake has said he's banged up. He didn't. He said he said he's banged up. He's not out. He's banged up. So it leaves a, an opening for uh, who's going to be that quarterback. And oh, by the way, since that Stanford game, Jacob Conover's in the transfer
2: portal. Yeah, and uh, he's committed to another program. He's off to Arizona State. They hired Kenny Dillingham, who was at Oregon. He did wonders. With Bo Nix last year, we and saw firsthand. Yeah, yes, we did. <laughs> Holy smokes, sheesh! That was tough to watch in Eugene. Anyways, uh, he's off to Arizona State. I don't necessarily think that means he'll be the next starting quarterback at Arizona State. But right. what really stings about the Jacob Conover transfer is that he came in highly recruited and he left, and we have no idea what he could have been. He was never given an opportunity. To showcase his ability. Even going back to 2021, in which he comes in in relief of Baylor Romney. And they don't let him do a whole lot against Utah State. And then you think he's going to play against Boise State. Jaron Hall rushes back. You know, it's kind of interesting. The two times they rush Jaron Hall back from injury, he doesn't look any good. And they lose those football games. So it's, it just seems obvious to me that this coaching staff did not believe in Jacob Conover. And I just, I'm wondering why. Uh, it has to come back to practice, but we can't let practice be the end-all, be-all right. for whether guys play. We've seen it too many times, Mitch, at BYU, where so-and-so's no good at practice, guys get hurt, and then what do you know? James can play. What do you know this year? Hinkley Ropati looked pretty dang good. And that was the guy we kept hearing, not good at practice, fumbles at practice. Might play special teams, might go to defense. Yeah, And then he comes in and he's got speed, he's got agility, he, he's got vision. I'm like... Was this guy never gonna play? He's playing some ball, man. He he looked great. And after one performance against Boise State Kalani's like he's he's gotta play. Well, you know what? A lot of these guys need an opportunity to show themselves in a game, not just handing the ball off. Like he needed to play the offense. He never got that opportunity, and that's what bothers me the most about the Jacob Conover transfer is that this coaching staff never gave him a shot to see what he could have. And for those of you saying, well, he
3: wasn't good enough in practice, I don't care. Like some guys just aren't great in practice. Well, and also too, when it comes to the practice angle as well, when you know that maybe you're behind the eight ball a little bit, you're maybe overthinking things. And and sometimes if you don't have that game film, I'm not, I'm not, we're not sitting here saying that Jacob Conover's this uh, would have been this all Big Twelve quarterback. But we in the don't. Future, know. But we don't know. Yep. We don't have any intel. And suddenly, his absence in the short term leaves a real dilemma for BYU if Jaron Hall cannot go. Uh, you know, because that ankle, you know, Jaron has, and we bring this up because Jaron has had a track record where he's not going to disclose, like, the full extent of his injury. No. When he cracked his ribs last year, he said he was fine. He was going to play. And then he, <laughs> he was sidelined, and clearly he was, he was banged up. The guy is tough as nails. Like, Jaron Hall, I'm not knocking him. Like, I get it. You're not going to be releasing all your injury lists to to us. I get that. I'm not telling you you need to. But there's a track record, and, and also the Notre Dame game. When after that game, they lose to Notre Dame. Jaron, was your shoulder bothering you? No, I'm 100%. I'm fine.
2: Like, no. You know, so, yep, so yep. again, I'm bringing that I up know, because. that's Thinking back and that's a joke. <laughs> I'm fine. And then all the coaches are like, he was really
3: <laughs> banged. But I bring that up because after the Stanford game, I'm fine. It's going to be okay. But you just never know with these ankles. And and for him, too, he's got to think about his future. He's not playing so against he, New Mexico. So, if he can't play in that New Mexico Bowl. Yep. Who do you turn to now? And you then have a banged up Cade Finnegan, who was dealing with an ankle injury the week of the Boise State game. He was in a, he was in a boot. Last
2: we saw him, actually, was on Wednesday before you took off to yep. of Stanford. We were doing a little social media video. Cade Finnegan was walking down the stairs from the third level of the athletic building. First day with no boot, and yeah. it took him a good two or three yeah. minutes to get down those stairs. Now that was a couple of weeks ago. Right. He could have healed
3: since then. He'd be okay, but man, I kind of looked at that and was like, <laughs> "Dude's probably not going <laughs> to well, be right." If you're him, you're looking at this saying, "If if there's a real chance for him to play, this is my chance. It's, it's be, his only chance. Yeah, it's it's his opportunity." And then the other quarterbacks that they have right now is Nick Billups, a preferred walk-on, and Soljay Mayava Peters. I think it's Soljay and against SMU. Yeah, I, you know like. I've always thought it's interesting, and again, I'm take it with a grain of salt. I get it, but I've always thought it's noteworthy that Aaron Roderick has not just said with Soul J, "Oh, we're switching in positions." You know, he was a guy coming out of high school as the eighth grader. He was viewed as a potential four or five star quarterback, and then he kind of hit a little bit of a ceiling in the back half of his his prep career. But uh, you know, Aaron Roderick has been patient and wanted to give him opportunities to learn. The offense, and he's been in that quarterback room since 2020 in the COVID year, and I think that's that's noteworthy. But also, that depth at quarterback Matt has kind of evaporated in a hurry, and it leaves you know some questions about the New Mexico Bowl, but also in the future too. And we still don't know yet what Jaron's going to do officially with his future. You know, it seems like it it makes sense to go for the NFL, but. Uh, we don't know yet. You know, I think Jaron's keeping that pretty close between him and his wife and I get that, but you know we gotta find out soon. If you're BYU, you gotta find out because really they, they gotta move forward with the portal guys and figure out that whole situation and and kinda nail down where they're going moving forward.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. And I just feel like next year's starting quarterback is not on the roster right now. Yeah. And there's some good guys in the portal. The question is can you get them? Cuz I'm you know, we've heard rumblings of of Kedon Slovis. I would really dislike that. I don't think Kedon's a very good quarterback. I think there's a reason he left USC and now there's a reason he's leaving Pitt. Uh, but there are guys in the portal that are leaving for other reasons. Like I don't I don't know if you could land this guy, but Devin Leary to me is interesting.
3: Yeah, from NC State. I think that BYU is going to evaluate any quarterback that's in that portal because they need to. I mean, undergrad, grad, transfer, all of them. It's got to be fair game, and I think it's a nice selling point to these portal QBs. Hey, even though Zach Wilson is not, you know, doing great in the NFL right now, he's in the NFL. He was the number two pick, yep. and that's going to sit resonate with portal QBs. And if Jaron moves on, and I know that some believe that he's just falling off the face of the earth, no, he's gonna be drafted. Jaron will be drafted. I I'm pretty dang confident of that. If he moves on this year, he's getting picked and he will he will wow people in a combine setting. If he's healthy, he'll wow in a, an interview setting. He will be picked. So you're talking about potentially two back to back quarterbacks getting picked. That's a nice selling point to go into the portal and get guys. But BYU's got to kind of figure out what the the path is. I think they got to get an undergrad at a minimum. They also got to get a grad transfer if Jaron is in fact gone. And if Jaron, that's where Jaron's piece. They got to figure out that situation with Jaron because the grad transfer market is not going to come to BYU if Jaron's still in the mix. Totally. It's not happening. Yep. yep. So they got to figure that out with Jaron. So I'm going to be curious to see what his timeline is looks like. Ideally, it's by Monday because I think we're going to see a lot more movement. With this quarterbacks and these grad transfers kind of nailing down their spots next week because the academic calendar, I know that's kind of in the background, but schools will start to begin their winter or spring semester, how they'd ever deem them, uh, beginning in January. So that's coming up soon. So you got to get this sorted out and, and nailed down, and, and BYU needs to start to kind of piece together their quarterback future because right now it's, it's not in a great spot after Conover leaves. Here's a question to put you on the spot. Do you want Jaron to come back? I would love to have Jaron come back because he's an all-time quarterback at BYU, and I think he can only establish himself as an even better BYU quarterback. I think for his NFL resume or his NFL uh, profile, I don't think any of this would help him because I think, Jaron or not, BYU is going to be fighting for bowl eligibility next year. That's just re- I'm just real talk here. Yep. I-, I think that there's there's still issues with BYU. I think defensively they will be better. Because I think they will out-scheme some people sometimes with Jay Hill in the mix. But there will be, um, you know, there's questions on the offensive line. I I think there's more personnel than people are giving them credit for, but still questions. And I just think that if if this was a team that was built to go into the Big 12 and be a disruptor right away, I'd say, yeah, Jaron, come back. Run it back one more year. But I don't think they are. I think they're a team that's fighting for bowl eligibility and scrapping to the finish line and, I want Jaron to be in the national spotlight, and I don't know if BYU can provide that next year with this team as what we currently project them being constructed as. A lot of it could change. If he came back, though, maybe you can get a lot more intriguing pieces at the skill positions and O-line uh, to come in and want to protect for that guy. I mean, that could be a huge domino that yep. could sell to a lot of grad transfers. I don't want him back, though.
2: I want him. I want him to go to the league. Yep. I think he's an NFL quarterback. I think he's he's done all he can do. His touchdown to interception ratio improved like, this year. When he's six to one. When
3: you say you don't want him back, like you're just thinking of him, right? I mean, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
2: I'm yeah. not saying it. If you I came love, back, dude, I'm, right. come on. Okay. I'm, I was the conductor okay. of the Jaron Hall <laughs> no, train, I know. I know. for heaven's sakes. I love Jaron Hall. Right. What's best for Jaron Hall is to go pro. He's done all he can do at BYU.
3: And I just want him to to be able to maximize his value. He's, to yes. me, he's a multi million asset for sure. I think he is. And I think he'd be a QB one. I the also NFL. think
2: this though: Jaron Hall will be more valuable to BYU in the NFL next year than he would be at BYU.
3: And I, you're and look, that is a very uh, good point because we know that the NFL matters a lot, especially to guys that aren't familiar with BYU. You say, hey. This position, we get guys to the league. Yeah. All right, I'm listening, coach. <laughs> exactly. Even though I don't know much about your church and much about your school, you say, I'm listening. Steve Young,
2: you say Heisman Ty Detmer, Zach in the league, Jared in the league, Taysom in the league. <laughs> That's
3: a great point, too. If I'm Aaron Roderick, I'm saying, look, we get guys to the league. And, oh, by the way, we've got alums that still care about this place. Steve Young, who you see on TV all the time, he loves BYU football. He will talk to you. John Beck, he loves BYU football. These, these guys care. They matter.
2: Got to take a break. On the other side, a little more transfer portal talk. What did the BYU Cougars need? Let's uh, get our thoughts on that after this.
1: Cougar Sports Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. Got it for three. Cougars Points winning. Every Saturday, all year long. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans. For Cougar fans, it's yeah. Cougar Sports, yeah. Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper. Harper. And that, my monte, on your legacy home of BYU Sports, KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160
3: AM. Welcome back in hour number three of Cougar Sports. Saturday, one week away till BYU versus SMU in the New Mexico Bowl, seventeenth annual New Mexico Bowl, second appearance all time for BYU down in the land of enchantment in the postseason. The first appearance was back in 2010 in Albuquerque against UTEP. And to talk about that New Mexico Bowl, the executive director joins us now, Jeff Simbiata, who I caught up with earlier in the week. And Jeff, uh, BYU was once a conference foe with New Mexico and also SMU and you arrived in the land of enchantment in 1996, so it's kind of like a full circle moment having the old
4: whack foe and BYU back in New Mexico. Remember that 16 team whack, right, with the four <laughs> quadrants, and, and, yes. and, and now they're all going back to these 16 team leagues again. It sounds <laughs> like it's kind of crazy how things come full circle. It's good to be with you, Mitch, and looking forward to having you here. Um, I, I, What are you doing? You're doing five and a half hours of pregame show. So this must be a fairly big game. Is that, is that regular five and a half hours of pregame?
3: Yeah, so we'll have three hours with me and Matt Biamonte, and then we'll toss it over to Greg Rubel. And uh, Riley Nielsen for the network two-hour pregame show. But, yeah, it's, it's a big game. And, and I think this BYU-SMU matchup's got history. I think the New Mexico Bowl stage is going to be great. I mean, tell us a little bit more about the response from the locals in Albuquerque. I got to imagine they're pretty excited to maybe host BYU again in University Stadium.
4: Yeah, no, it, the reception's been great as our board members and our sponsors have come in to pick up their packets and, and uh, how'd you pull this one off and how'd you get this? And we love the matchup. And then, you know, my show, um, and um I, I, I do three hours of sports talk radio every morning in this market and have for the last, been this show for 14 and a half years. Uh, You know, there's an excitement, there's a familiarity, and we've gotten our fair share. And I know you're used to hearing this. There's people who are saying, I can't go, I can't wait to go back out there and root against BYU again. (laughs) I said, come on, like, like, do your thing. They're used to that. It's not like you've never heard that before. There's an excitement uh, about this matchup because there is a familiarity with both schools. And, and, you know, typically we've done this 17 years now. The one, uh, 2020, we we played in Frisco, Texas, but this will be the 17th year we've done this game. And there's usually, this will be the first year without a mountain. West School. And so there's always familiarity with one side uh, with the local fans, but there there seems to be something with both. And, and both of these, these teams and these universities resonate with local fans. There's a history and, it, and it's kind of crazy how things work out for BYU. I, I don't even know if you know this, this game is bookending BYU's independence. Their last game as a member of the Mountain West before they went independent was the New Mexico Bowl when, when BYU beat UTEP. And then their last game as an independent before you go to the Big 12 is is going to be here. So kind of crazy how it works. And then Eric Dickerson was our guest speaker at the luncheon last year. And of course, him with the Pony Express and such a big part of that legendary 1980 Holiday Bowl. So yeah, there's there, there's a good buzz going on
3: here. Definitely going to be a fun game. Kickoff will be at 5:30. It's prime time on ABC network television, so that's a big stage. A big deal. It is, and I'm curious. You know, you mentioned that typically there's a Mountain West team. So, is it safe to assume that BYU just filled the Mountain West spot, and that's why it ended up being an AAC opponent in SMU?
4: Well, it, yeah, there was this one was a different process because we were alerted. Um, weeks ago of the potential of the flex in the time, right? When, when the NFL had let um, let it be known that they might flex out of that Raiders game and which would uh, cause the issue in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas as far as the time to flip the field, and they might have to put the Las Vegas Bull into our original spot, all that. And so as we started talking, with, and there's a lot of things and a lot of people involved in, in putting matchups together, um, BYU had a... Uh, a contract with ESPN events for a bowl game this year and we're in ESPN events owned a bowl. And so I, I made it known pretty clearly, I would like to have BYU in this game. I don't know when we're going to get them again, you know, with the big 12 affiliation and with everything. So I made it pretty clear and and, and it kind of worked that um, all right, let, let's start steering BYU this way. Well, who, who, how do we match it up? And you start looking, our right, BYU had already played Boise state, Wyoming and Utah state this year. Um, and then Fresno state wins the league. So they're going to the Jimmy Kimmel bowl, and San Diego State had already committed to we knew they wanted to go to Hawaii so there were you know there was there were options we had to start looking around and all right let's we've got um our matchup is Mountain West Pool typically and uh, the American is part of that pool whether it's Conference USA in the past we've had uh, Houston before and so let's start putting together a matchup and that's we we just wanted to put together a game that works on primetime and Tell you the ABC primetime slot's a big deal, right? I mean, it, it, as you know, um, I mean, I love that ESPN slot mid afternoon. It'll be chilly, Mitch. But um, as we started putting the game together, you know, what, what do we do? I, I think you know, we kind of we thought we had BYU as, as one of the pieces. Now let's get them a good opponent and match up a game that's worthy of being a primetime.
3: BYU and SMU at the New Mexico Bowl, and for fans, that are going to be traveling to albuquerque what can they expect maybe from i know there's a there's a fan fest on friday night what are some maybe other uh, activities or, or things that you would recommend for our listeners they're going to be traveling to uh you know partake of in, in uh, the land of Enchantment.
4: Well, oh you're going to eat well i know that he'll be treated well the people here are wonderful i've been here for 26 years and it's um i don't know at what, what point you're from somewhere but i guess i you know i, I might be from somewhere but i'm also from here and, and, and the people are wonderful Come on out on Friday afternoon, four o'clock, Old Town Plaza. Um, they'll they'll have the fan. The, it, well, actually, that's the pep rally, and it's good. The bands will be out, and um, it, it, it's a fun back and forth with the fans in in Old Town Plaza. You get a real good feel of Albuquerque, and then you go have a great New Mexican meal that night, and then the games. That with the game being at five thirty. The uh, fan fest pregame will start at one thirty and uh, go till, you know, for four and a half hours up until, or four hours, I guess, up until game time. And there'll be bands and, you know, Santa will be there and all the all, all the jumpies and, and displays and, and just make it a big old party. And, and um, I've been told a bunch of times, man, I've got to go over, like I've been invited, been invited to a number of the BYU events to come over and party, as I've been told, BYU style. And I'm looking forward to taking part of that. Um, and, and, just, you know, what we're doing, Mitch, we're throwing a party. It, it, it's a big party. And it, 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 the one thing we've done with this game, um, I think, you know, no matter what you do, no matter who you are, you got to be comfortable in your own skin. And, and I know who we are and I know who we're not. And, uh, and I, I, I've said this a lot over the years, you know, I get it that we're not the Rose bowl and I'm cool with that because the Rose bowl is good. I'm, I'm proud that we're the New Mexico bowl and what we, we, we don't have a margin of error. We have to do it well, and we, we have for the last 16, going on 17 years. And talking to Tom Homo um, about his his memories of the game from 12 years ago when BYU was here, the memories are fun. I was talking to a number of people with BYU. And and, and we've got to do this right, um, and, and we get one shot at it a year. And so that's so what we do. Our, you know, our group, our hospitality people are working on making sure that the people who come to our, our destination – have a great time, and we're going to treat you well. Whether it is you know whether you like the, the dining experiences or the casino experiences, or you want to go hiking. I mean, you guys have great mountains, beautiful outdoor too. That um, there's so much that, that this destination has to offer, and if people are going to take a day trip up to Santa Fe, it's it's um, it's a wonderful spot. And I know BYU fans had. Frequented this when they were in the same league and maybe haven't been down here in a while. And it's a good time to kind of reacquaint with the land of enchantment because it's
3: a beautiful spot. You know, when you talk about reacquainting, I'm just curious, Jeff, because you've seen, you know, BYU New Mexico back in the day firsthand. I love the history of, of you know, like BYU and the old whack and the Mountain West days. Just curious, what are some of your favorite BYU New Mexico memories? Because I think back to those old basketball games in the pit and those that, that stretch with uh, Alford and Darrington Hobson. I was thinking of
4: the Alford game. <laughs> and I'm trying to remember the player. And it was it Jonathan Tevinari. Yeah, Jonathan the Tavernari. And called him a bleep and bleep, and, and and the league had a had a had a discipline, uh, have a speaking with 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 Steve Alford, and it was it was caught just blatantly in the in the handshake line, and uh, so that blew up. I remember I remember that one well. I remember, um, and, and BYU fans won't remember this as much as UNM fans will. Um, There was a football game in one of Rocky Long's years, and it might have even been his last year, that uh, BYU was good and New Mexico was struggling. I think it was the 2008 season, and there was a phantom holding call on Byron Bell, who ended up being an NFL offensive lineman. He's actually a coach at UNM now. Um, UNM would have scored a touchdown, would have put him up in the fourth quarter, and you still, I mean, I've looked at the play a million, which is what there. Wasn't that the game with Aho as the kicker, I believe? What was his name, Aho? Jonathan, a- Jonathan Aho. Yeah, that's right. I think yeah. it was like 20 to th- twenty to 17, I think. It was a tight one, and you and him scored the go-ahead. And so the people around here still talk about it. And then there's there's games from the, – the people tell me from before I got here in 96 that go way back. Um, and, and then I, I, I was in San Diego in, in the late 80s, the mid-80s. I went to San Diego State, and I worked – Holiday Bowls. I was a guy on the sideline working for ESPN holding a parabolic mic back in the day, making 75 bucks a game, and I was living. But I was at all those great Holiday Bowls back in the day where it seemed like it was the BYU Invitational every year when they would win the <laughs> whack. Um, and and, and I, I'm not going to lie, I remember the uh, 86 San Diego State BYU game. Uh, where San Diego State finally beat him, I think the score was 10-7, and San Diego State finally won the whack and went to the Holiday Bowl that year. And that was my first time on on national TV because I was one of those idiots who stormed the field and was out in the middle when they. I was watching Sports Center that night, and you know they they did the interview with Denny Stolls, the coach said, "All right, now back to you in Bristol," and I was that idiot. <laughs> I was waving his hands in, in uh, on, uh, you know, jumping in front of the camera one of my prouder moments, certainly. Um, and little did I know I'd be working for ESPN all, all these years later, but you know, I got great moments with BYU. And, and then of course, the, you know, when they were here for our fifth annual and played UTEP yeah. and put on, put on a performance and Bronco had a great team and Jake keeps uh, at a wonderful, wonderful game. And what a great team. And, and the other thing I remember Mitch is just the people are so good. Um, it, the, the relationships that I made with, with, the BYU administration, the fans, the people over the years. I, I'm so, I'm so looking forward to having you all back here in, in our game.
3: It's going to be so much fun. I'm looking forward to it as well, Jeff. And, you know, I'm curious too, because as we wrap this thing up, I appreciate you being so gracious with your time. I know it's precious. And, and, you know the the future of bowls is interesting to me and I, I love the experiences that come with with bowl games I don't think people have put enough value into that I think for these teams they get the 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 practices and then these games and they get to go to these these parts of the country that maybe they wouldn't go to otherwise but I'm curious you know, when there's a 12-team playoff era on the horizon now in 2024, what does it mean for, for a New Mexico Bowl? And like you said, you mean you you, you acknowledge that you, it's not the Rose Bowl, but what does it mean for the future, for like a New Mexico Bowl going forward?
4: You know, Mitch, it's, it's, a, it's a real question, and, and I'd like to believe we're positioned in a good place. You know, let's just say this was two or three years from now and there was a 12-team playoff. So I'm going to guess... At seven and five, BYU nor SMU would be in the 12 team playoff, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Do they have something, a bowl to go to? And, and and I think the answer is yes. And I think, you know, the, there's a hundred, and I believe the number's 31. I saw the WAC and the A-Sun are trying to have a, a D1 football or FBS football league. And so everybody realistically isn't playing to get into the playoff. And, and I think, you know, it's great that the playoffs are expanding. It's great for college football. But I also think that there's going to be a place and, and for something for teams like these two teams who we've got this year. And I look, I look up at my wall and look at all the teams and the year Washington State played Colorado State or Arizona played New Mexico and Wyoming played Temple and Central Michigan played San Diego State. There's a spot for this. And I, this is a question I ask all the time, Mitch, and, and, and it comes up on my show a lot. For whom are we doing this? Right? Who are we doing it for? Is it for the guy sitting there telling me there's too many bowls with his big old belly and betting games? Okay, and my answer is then don't watch. But you know what? Millions of people are watching. It's ESPN's highest two rated weeks of the year. Are we doing it for the student athletes? Are we doing it for the communities in which these are held? If that's who we're doing it for, then the bowl system is going to survive. Who? Who are you, or me, or anybody else? To tell these student athletes from BYU and SMU that, hey, you know what, you're only seven to five. You shouldn't go have that experience, that you shouldn't go get treated like we're going to treat you next week. They're going to come here and they're going to get treated well. They're going to have a wonderful experience, everything you just talked about. And you're right, they're not going to playoff this year. And, and, And in an expanded playoff, they're probably not going with seven to five records like they are this year but they deserve to go to a bowl game and this the bowl system has been something in this country that's that's really been special over the years and and I hope you know I listen to Nick Saban and say things well the bowls don't mean anything no they do and I've done this for 17 years and I've watched the student athletes the coaches the administrators the ones who win and lift that beautiful trophy that unique gorgeous trophy that we have and I've watched the ones who didn't and you will never ever ever convince me that it doesn't matter that now. And, and, and usually the people who are telling me there's too many games also are telling me about my game and what happened because they freaking watched. (laughs) So Mitch, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I do firmly, honestly, wholeheartedly in my heart believe that the bowl system's got a place and, and it it affects so many student athletes in a positive way in so many communities. And I I think we're positioned to be a good part of it. Um, But, but I mean, I hope you hear the passion in my voice because the, the bowl system is wonderful and it needs to live. And college football isn't just about the last 12 standing. It's, it, you know, it's there's going to be something for the rest of these teams to play for too, and there should be. Jeff Symbiotic.
3: Yeah, it, it does, Jeff. And that's Jeff Simbiata, executive director of the New Mexico Bowl and also host of the opening drive on 610, the sports animal in Albuquerque. So if you're going to be down there in New Mexico, listen to, to Jeff and and uh, his work on his, on his daily sports radio show. Jeff, appreciate the time. And again, see you next week uh, in Albuquerque. Looking forward to
4: it. No, Thanks for the time. Safe travels down here. We'll see you next week.
3: Yeah, see you on uh, Wednesday there, Jeff. I'll, I'll be flying into town uh, next week, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Jeff Simbiata here on Cougar Sports Saturday. Taking a timeout, we'll talk more about that bowl matchup between BYU and SMU in the New Mexico Bowl coming up next.
0: It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison.
3: Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought,